What's up, friends? Welcome back. This is Syracuse Sports. My name is Brent Dax. So glad to have you here, presented by our friends at Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare provider for SU Athletics. We got a lot to get to today, my friends. It has been a hell of a week in the Syracuse football and men's basketball front, to say the least. Red Grange leather helmet Aristyle football for the Orange. I remember back in my day when... They didn't wear helmets, and they ran the ball all the time. Who needs the forward pass, right? Well, that's how Syracuse beat Pittsburgh at Yankee Stadium. 382 rushing yards, and a tight end who used to be a quarterback was the ACC co-running back of the week? What? Yes, and we have him, folks. I had a one-on-one conversation with Dan Valari, the Massapequa kid, the Yankee fan who has the game of his life, at Yankee Stadium. You'll hear that one-on-one conversation coming up, and we'll discuss if Syracuse can keep this up. Well, i got to do it for two more wins, right? One more win to clinch bowl eligibility. I think they need two more wins to fully ensure the return of Dino Babers as head coach, but just one win to get the bowl eligibility. Two games to do it. Can the Orange keep it up? Because they literally don't have a passing game right now, and that's kind of a problem. So we will discuss that. The comeback kids. Syracuse down 24 points to Colgate. What is believed to be the largest comeback in Syracuse basketball history, they beat the Raiders, the team that had knocked them down two years in a row. How that comeback came together even before the game started. Chris Bell gave me some unique insight on that. Judah Mintz had some interesting things to say about how the comeback came together once they got on the court, what a game it was, and uh, no day at the beach is coming up for Syracuse with that loaded Maui Invitational Field that they will play in next week. We're going to play a couple of your voicemails coming up as well. What a show we got lined up here. I want to take a couple of minutes, though, to tell you something I am pumped about. I am really excited to start and something that you, particularly on this podcast, can be a part of. We have launched what we call Syracuse Sports Insider. This is a way for you to text me directly. The phone number is 315-847-3895. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the information right there. Text the word ORANGE to 315-847-3895, and what you'll get is a link to sign up And what you're going to get is access to me, direct access. This is not a group chat, guys. I Yeah, I hear you. I hate group chats. No, this is you text me, I text you. Your opinions, your thoughts, your questions. You will get priority on this podcast. You are going to drive the conversation on this podcast and essentially become the co-host of this podcast with your opinions, your questions, your thoughts on all manner Syracuse sports. There's a two-week free trial. Try it for two weeks. See what you like. See what you don't like. Send me texts. Hey, Brent, can you talk about this? Can you talk about that? Give me your thoughts on this. You've got direct access to me to do that. After that, it's just $3.99 a month. I mean, what is that? that that's, that's less than a, a latte at Starbucks these days. So one less coffee and tons of SU Sports insider information. You're going to get my opinions first. Breaking news happens. Our texters are going to get it first. If I hear something juicy on the SU football coaching search front, if there is a coaching search, you're going to get it first. You can text me before and during and after Syracuse basketball games. Football winding down here, but uh, certainly the next two football games as well. I can ask your questions in the locker room. Here's a great example. The sound bites you're going to hear from Chris Bell and Judah Mintz in this podcast, 
you would have got first as a Syracuse sports insider after I got out of the locker room. And what Chris Bell told me I thought was really interesting and what Judah Mintz told me I thought was really interesting as well. It's that kind of exclusive, take-you-behind-the-scenes locker room access you're going to get, guys. And we'll see what else develops from this. But it is a way to direct connect with me and talk SU sports. Give me your thoughts. Vent during a game and help drive the conversation on this podcast. So text the word orange to 315-847-3895. Try it free for two weeks. It's $3.99 a month after that. And the cool thing, guys, is you can cancel anytime. All I got to do is text the word stop and you won't get it anymore. But then if you like, yeah, you know, I kind of miss hearing from Brent, you can sign right back up. It's just that easy. We're really excited about it. I'm excited to hear what's on your mind to make you part of the conversation here on the show to give you my insight, analysis, and any uh, news tips, anything of that. You're going to get it first as a Syracuse Sports Insider. 315-847-3895. Text the word ORANGE to that number and sign up today. And we are excited to get that rolling here, folks, and can't wait to hear from you. I can't wait to hear from Dan Villari in a minute here, who didn't quite have a Diamond Fairy type game. For you Syracuse fans that remember, Diamond Fairy goes two ways, single-handedly beats Boston College in 2004. It was an incredible performance that day. Dan Villari, though, come on, man. This guy, he comes to Syracuse, wants to be a quarterback. Becomes pretty uh, clear he's not going to beat out any of the quarterbacks on the roster. So the coaching staff converts him to tight end. And we have slowly but surely seen Dan get more involved in the offense there. You know how Uncle Brent feels about throwing the ball to the tight end. When you lose a Rondé Gatson, that passing game has just completely evaporated for a number of reasons. But before that, we did start to see Valari get out there. Valari has been one of the more passionate players on the field. He's been one of the passionate uh, players talking to the media in the past couple of weeks. You're going to hear him kind of tell that story coming up and what his role in practice was and this is a guy that had been there and done that when Syracuse, out of desperation, guys. Let's make no mistake about this. Garrett Schrader can't throw the ball right now. With the pass he threw, and it was a touchdown pass to Max Mang, he grabbed his shoulder afterwards, was clearly in discomfort. He can do backflips, as we saw in that pit game at Yankee Stadium, but with Schrader hurt, with Carlos Del Rio Wilson currently unavailable. Remember, he left the Boston College game at the end, with a uh, lower body injury, played through it at the end of the game. And we haven't seen or talked to Carlos since then. We're not quite uh, clear on the severity of the injury, but it was enough he didn't play against Pittsburgh. And I'm not anticipating he's going to be able to play against Georgia Tech either. Braden Davis and Luke McPhail are the next quarterbacks on the depth chart. I asked Dino Babers this week flat out, can these guys throw the football? And he said, We believe our quarterbacks can throw the football. We just didn't need to against Pittsburgh. Well, guess what? You're going to need to throw the ball against Georgia Tech. Look, credit to Syracuse for what they did. That game plan was genius. It worked. It came out of nowhere. Pat Narduzzi flat out admitted in a sideline interview on the ACC Network during the the game at Yankee Stadium that we didn't expect this. It worked. Nobody loves the cloak and dagger game more than Dino Babers, and this was the prime example of, look at this. We outwitted you. We outsmarted you. We put out a plan you didn't see coming. 382 rushing yards. Syracuse had 399 total yards 
in that game, 382 on the ground. And it was Valari, it was Schrader. Let's not leave LaQuinn Allen out of the mix as well. Gave a passionate speech to the team prior to the Pittsburgh game. Georgia Tech, though, comes in with the third highest scoring offense in the ACC. They're averaging 32 points per game. And guys, they are desperate. Syracuse, Georgia Tech, both have five wins. Both want to clinch a bull bid. Syracuse has an easier path there because if they don't beat Georgia Tech on Saturday, Wake Forest comes to the Dome two days after Thanksgiving. Wake Forest is a mess this year. You know who Georgia Tech gets after Syracuse? Georgia. You know, two-time defending national champion, longest winning streak in the country, best program in college football, rivalry games, right? You love them, but you don't want to have to play Georgia to be bowl eligible. So Georgia Tech is going to go all in this week. Brent Pry, their head coach, has really tried to get the fan base stirred up there, and they are desperate. They can smell it, and they want it. They have the worst run defense in the ACC, which is good news for a team in Syracuse, which has focused a bit on the run game and has to focus on the run game. But what has been eliminated is the element of surprise, right? Can they do it again, though? There is a a renewed optimism, a renewed, to steal a phrase from Dino, faith in this team. They're feeling it. They had lost five in a row, and you have, it's a cliche of cliches, guys. You got to do what you got to do, right? Syracuse did what it had to do to win the Pittsburgh game. I have my doubts if that's going to work against Georgia Tech. I think it could actually work against Wake Forest if it doesn't this week against Georgia Tech. But the element of surprise came in. The old sports cliche, that's why they play the games, came into play, right? And it happened with both the football and the basketball team. We are going to hear from Dan Valari coming up here shortly. We're going to hear from Judah Mintz and Chris Bell in the locker room. We're going to hear voicemails coming up a little bit later on in the show. You guys had some things to say about that basketball team. I, I was entertained. What I was hearing during the game from you guys there. So we'll play a couple of those voicemails coming up. But as noted, the man with 154 rushing yards, the Massapequa kid goes out there A quarterback turned into a tight end who's the running back of the week in the ACC. And you'll hear those thoughts first here in our first question with Dan Valari coming up. Let's take a listen to that. I had told you a month ago that you would be the ACC running back of the week. What would you have said that? I would have said you're crazy, man. Stop stop playing with me. (laughs) You know, I I wouldn't believe you, but... um, it's crazy how, you know, how life comes full circle, and I got that opportunity, and I'm blessed, you know. I'm grateful for it. So let's go back to last week. You guys had just lost five in a row. you got to switch things up, and you know it. Just how was this presented to the team? Take me to the moment where they said, this is what we're doing, and, and how was your reaction to that? Yeah, in the team meeting, I mean, Coach said um, some guys are going to be asked to do things that, they weren't maybe asked to do when they were recruited here and everything's going to be different but uh he was just asking guys to buy in and and trust the plan and it's going to be an old school football game and you know we're just gonna you know run it down their throats up you know old school and um basically just saying to buy in and it was tough for everyone to buy in at first but i think by the end of the week everybody Everybody did. Was it easier for you, like, in that moment where you're thinking, like, I've done this in high school? Were you, like, anticipating, like, oh, wait a minute, they might come to me and ask me to do some of this stuff? Yeah, I was I was confident immediately. When he called me, I was surprised, you know, when he told me the news. But um, 
right away I was like, man, I could do that. I've been doing that my whole life. So uh, I was confident for sure. I just had to get everybody else to buy in and help me out. So how did, you, did. how did you do that? There must have been some skepticism about yeah. this. How did you get people to buy into this? You know, with me, I like to um, – I'm not like a stand-up-in-front-of-the-team, you know, rah-rah speech guy. I kind of like to catch guys individually and just tell them what it is and, and what's going to happen if, if you buy in. And I try to tell the receivers um, – I said, listen, this is not what you're going to do the rest of your career. Like, you're going to catch balls eventually. Um, but for for this week, we just need you to go hard and block and put on a blocking highlight tape because in the NFL, you, you got to block. And, you know, why not just put on a highlight of blocking and uh, show scouts that you can do it? You know, I was just trying to motivate them in that way. I told LaQuint, um, you're going to be – you're going to – play this game in the rest of your life so you might as well just get better at football every single day and just go go as 100 percent and then i had a conversation with the o-line and i told them you know if you care about me you're gonna block your your butt off every single play for me and i'm gonna run as hard as i can for you guys and and everything's gonna work out so i just try to get guys individually to the side and tell them so as we speak dan you guys are kind of putting the plan together for georgia tech but you got this in your back pocket now you know you can do it but what else can you do now? Like, is this, are you all in on this, do you think? Or do you start to say, okay, can we throw the ball a little bit more this week? Does it depend on the opponent? Like, what's, what's the step forward now? Um, it's whatever coach, you know, coach says. I'm going to do 100%. You know, I'm just going to listen to him and execute whatever he tells me. And, you know, we don't know anything yet. At the end of the week, we'll, we'll know, you know, what the plan is. Your journey here has been very interesting since you've come transition wanted to play quarterback go to tight end now you're playing running back I and mean, who else knows what you'll be playing <laughs> as we go through the rest of the season but could, i guess you got to be ready for anything yeah but tell me about that journey and just having to adjust so much even just in the short time you've been here yeah i mean if you would have asked me in high school what i'd be i'd be the starting quarterback at michigan but uh you know took a couple turns and you know, I always knew I was a football player. I didn't want to um, completely admit it, you know, because I wanted to be a quarterback because I felt like I could throw it with the best of them. And, um, but, you know, shit happens, and uh, I'm just grateful to be playing, and I'm just grateful to be helping my team win. That's most important. No matter what happens from here on out, Dan, you know, a kid from Massapequa goes into Yankee Stadium and, and has a game like that, you know, how about that memory and what has your family and friends said about that particularly because it's, it's so close to home? Yeah, it was just so unbelievable how I had so much, so, much, so much family in one section at that game, you know, 40 minutes from home. And uh, I'm just so grateful. I'll remember that the rest of my life for sure, you know, just kind of like, you know, the beginning of, of this journey and the beginning of my, uh, my career that's going to, you know, go places for sure. Are you a Yankees fan? I am, yeah. So, I mean, come on. Yeah. How, looking, how huge is that? I was looking for Aaron Judge's locker, you know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Dan, thank you so much. You. An amazing game, and uh, we'll see what happens the rest of the year. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you. So in sort of the second version of the quote Han Solo, I'm a Star Wars guy, as you can see, never tell me the odds. Second half, Colgate 54, Syracuse 30. The Orange are down by 24 points. They have looked listless. They have looked like they're stuck in the mud. They have looked like anything but a team. That could be competitive against a Colgate team that has been in the NCAA tournament a few years in a row. Matt Langle has done an exceptional job building that into a Patriot League power. Syracuse is young. Syracuse is still trying to find its way under Adrian Autry. But the way the Orange had played 
was unacceptable. They even got booed at the Dome on Tuesday night. And then things turned around. So before we hear from Judah Mintz and Chris Bell here, I heard from you on the voicemail line, and I loved what you guys had to say, starting with Michael Antonio. Hey, this is Michael Antonio in Central Florida. Uh, you guys remember Nolan Richardson's 40 Minutes of Hell? You know, at this point, I'll take 40 minutes of purgatory, man. These guys, you know, they kind of showed themselves pretty good there, you know. Let's keep that up. I do remember Nolan Richardson and 40 minutes of hell. That's a big question, too, Michael Antonio. Can they play press the whole game? They're certainly deep enough. They're certainly athletic enough. They're certainly young enough. But even with the four-minute intervals, and that was key. That is something a number of players and Adrian Autry said after that win. They play four minute games they structure that at practice it carries over into a game because that's pretty much the time of in between tv timeouts right so you play those four minute games let's see what's happening as you're going to hear from a couple of players here in just a moment 40 minutes of hell in syracuse part two we'll see a couple more voicemails from you hey what's up brett it's your boy Papa jones aka Trotter, and i gotta say i ain't gonna lie uh, this game had me a little worried. Uh, I was like, Colgate is gonna beat is gonna beat us another year. But uh, but I gotta tell you, uh, the head coach Mintz, you know, uh, they all they all found a way to come back, man. Seventy nine and seventy five can't take them no better way to end the night, man. Because I gotta tell you, this Colgate robbery, you know, it's only a matter of time before that dome pack, man. I know, I know it was only a Tuesday night, but you know, this this rivalry was starting to become something, man. Especially the past few years when the coach behind with them beating us, the island. You know, but either way, you know, the Orange got a victory. Hope they continue to shine. You know, they got a lot of tough ones coming coming next week for Thanksgiving. So this was only a stepping stone. Thank you, Mr. Jones. And he makes two spectacular points. One, this is a great rivalry now. Let's face it, Syracuse doesn't have any natural rivals in the ACC. Duke feels like a big game, but Duke's rivals North Carolina. Syracuse Colgate has become a thing, and that crowd erupted on Tuesday night. About 17,000 in the Dome, and they were as just as much as 37,000 would have been in the Dome. Second point, oh boy, here comes that Maui Invitational. You start with Tennessee, top 10 team. Purdue or Gonzaga looming after that, depending on how Monday goes. Kansas is in the field, Marquette's in the field. Mighty Chaminade is in the field, the host every year of the Maui Invitational, right into the fire, which made that win so important. That's an NCAA tournament resume builder. It showed their medal. They played 40 minutes of hell, uh, 20 minutes of hell in this case, played the 40 minutes of hell pressure defense, knocked down Colgate, but man, Maui, then you come back, LSU in the ACC-SEC Challenge. Virginia looms not too long after that. Georgetown, Ed Cooley coaching there now, looms not too far after that. What a run the Orange have coming here. The hottest fire is certainly going to make the strongest steal. One more from Tony, and then we'll hear from Chris Bell and Judah Mintz. Hi, Brett. This is Tony from North Carolina, first-time caller, and a big Syracuse fan. Uh, anyways, watching... Just a little bit past the second half. My question is frustrating enough to see that they are not anybody rebounding, really. Seems like all four guys are running back uh, to play defense rather than rebounding the ball. And this is what I think is giving Colgate second-chance opportunities. I just can't believe that we cannot box them out. 
Anyways, I appreciate it. I love your show. Take care. Thanks a lot, Tony. We appreciate that. And rebounding is going to continue to be an issue for this team. They don't have the size. Even Colgate, Keegan Records, Ryan Moffitt, size-wise, Colgate actually had some advantages. Certainly when Naheem McLeod is in there at seven foot four, it tilts the scales a little bit. Malik Brown's a terrific pressure player, can be a terrific rebounder around the basket. But rebounding and defense, two issues for the Orange. And while they did come back in that game, I think Judah Mintz is still a little bit too much. I've got to do everything in that mentality. I think he's got to run the offense more than be the offense. But, man, what he did in the second half, you can't take it away from him. To recover, especially from what I thought was a rough first half for Judah Mintz, shows you the type of player he is. He's the emotional leader of that team, the literal leader of that team. And I talked to him after the game. And as a Syracuse sports insider, Sign up by texting ORANGE to 315-847-3895. You will get this kind of stuff first, guys. Talk to Judah. Here's what he said about the, those four-minute games that Syracuse played and how it paid off in the comeback against Colby. Uh, I mean, just four-minute segments. Uh, every four minutes in a game is a media timeout usually, so we like to play in four-minute four minute intervals. and. Um, we, we go on runs. You, you might go on a run as a team. You might It might be two to two at the end of the four minutes. Uh, but just knowing that we have the ability to get stops in a row, uh, knowing, the, knowing that we have the ability to score in bunches, uh, really, really kept our confidence up. It's a stepping stone game for the Orange. There's a rough road ahead here, but to get a win, to bank that knowledge, to do something even with your four-minute games that you cannot replicate in practice, Judah says how big that is. Once we cut it to 10, I knew we were in the game. Uh, you know, and then once they got the single digits, it just looks different on the board. Uh, and, and that type of confidence for, for our team is something that you can't allow us to get. Uh, so, I mean, I was, I'm proud of our guys. I'm proud of Coach Ray. I'm proud of all the staff. So, I mean, I, I feel like this is a, a big stepping stone for us, and we're going to be ready for what comes ahead. I'm a big fan of process and preparation and how things like this pay off in games. Chris Bell, I think, had one of the most unique insights into what led to Syracuse, didn't show it in the first half, certainly did in the second half, but what motivated Syracuse going into this matchup against Colgate, who had knocked them down at the Dome two years ago? We had, so the last two years in 2021, 22, uh, we lost by 12, I think, last year, and then the year before we lost by 15. So they put the scores on the basket so we could see them. And uh, me and Ju- I think a lot of people were pissed off. But, um, I think that helped us a lot, giving us confidence and you know getting a little bit angry before we played them. Guys, it's that kind of insight you're going to get as a Syracuse Sports Insider by texting ORANGE to 315-847-3895. You would have got a text shortly after the game, after I got out of the locker room, with that nugget from Chris Bell, with that insight from Judah Mintz. It's that kind of exclusive insight behind the scenes. What's going on back there? What are the players saying in the locker room? I'm going to bring that to you as a Syracuse Sports Insider. Sign up today. Try it free for two weeks. Just $3.99 a month after that, and you can cancel anytime. Wanted to play one more clip here. This is Chris Bell. Hey, when did you know that you, you had them? Comebacks, building, momentum swinging, crowds into it. When did you have them? Really, uh, we were down by 13, and I was I – was, I think everybody, I think the gym was loud. Everybody was excited. I was like, oh, yeah, we're coming back. I was like, we're not going to lose this game. And that's what happened. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Judah. 
Thank you, Dan Villari. Thanks to you, of course, for watching and listening to Syracuse Sports presented by Kraus Health. Please subscribe on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, and Amazon. Leave us a review at any of those places. Really helps us stand out in the podcast space. Really appreciate those of you that have signed up for Syracuse Sports Insider. But get on board, guys. It's going to be a fun ride. Direct access to me. A, a starring, shining role here on Syracuse Sports and on our post-game shows, which Emily Liker and I will be doing Saturday night after the Orange take on Georgia Tech in Atlanta. We've been doing the post-game shows live. They've been a blast. And being a Syracuse Sports Insider, you're going to go right to the top of the list of the people that get their questions, their comments answered, their opinions shared, both here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast and our Syracuse Sports post-game shows, which we're doing after every Syracuse football and basketball game. So being a subscriber here, you'll get the podcast version of that, but look for it live on Syracuse Orange Sports on YouTube, Syracuse Orange Football on Syracuse.com on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Brent Dax Media as well, and you'll see the link pop up. We usually go on about an hour and a half after the game, after Emily and I take care of some post-game duties, talking live with you. It's been a blast. Sign up to be a Syracuse Sports Insider. Can't wait to hear from you guys. Can't wait to talk to you next on Syracuse Sports, presented by Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare provider of SU Athletics. We'll talk to you next time, guys.